podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is my co-host, Samir Khan. Hey, Samir. Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Happy Thanksgiving holiday. Happy Thanksgiving as well. Are you cooking up turkey? You know what? Um, I've decided to buy turkey this year because my brother is bringing in extra people. And typically, if I'm going to make a turkey, it's just for the immediate family. But if there's going to be too many people or I have to make two turkeys, then um, I give in. Nice. <laughs> That's great. I'm not going to take the time. It takes too long. So. It does. Per- it does. Perfection, perfection in a turkey takes time. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Now yep. we're, we're heading out uh, to our in-laws and we're going to cook some turkey so it'll be fun nice nice and be 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 weary don't don't do the fried turkey for the first time and then sit your house on fire (laughs) (laughs) no yeah yeah definitely nice well so as 2016 is getting ready to come to an end this is the time of year that's really exciting that we start to look into 2017 and today's topic is going to be fantastic it's going to be a lot of stuff to go through But today's special topic for everybody in the audience is 21 marketing and analytics predictions for 2017. Great. And this is where there should be like fireworks and like drums and all this stuff. (laughs) I can hear it. (laughs) What are the 21? Tell me. Come on. Let's go. And and just to add to that, I think what we have done is we have done a good amount of research looking at all the other people who are doing some type of predictions uh, in the web sphere. And what we have come up with is a very well thought through list, which we call as advanced marketing analytics prediction, because, you know, definitely there's going to be a lot happening on the basic level that's going to change in 2017. But we want to focus on mostly the meteor topics. And because there are 21 of them, uh, we're going to spend limited time for each one of them. So we cover everything in this podcast. Uh, so, you know, a couple of minutes, uh, two to three minutes for each topic, and then we move on to the next one. And we'll definitely have our show notes, as always, yep. that people can follow through. Yep, and I'll try to keep the commentary to a, to a delightful minimum. <laughs> oh, no problem. We'll- yeah, cool. Okay, so number one, right? Data-driven intelligence will automate buyer's journey. Well, at least to some degree. So buyer's journey has been... You know, a big conversation over the end of 2015, especially in the 2016. But I really think the key to this statement here is data-driven intelligence. That's the big word in there. Intelligence is going to automate the buyer journey. That's great. And that's a very interesting thing. Uh, so today, in the, in the last five years, data has shaped a lot of things, right? Marketing, analytics, finance, sales, HR, you name it. Uh now, with all the new advancements that are happening in the marketing side of things, where marketers are realizing the potential of what technology and data can do for them, uh, they're incorporating these technological components into the buyer's journey. How can we make sure that in different parts and segments of data uh, in the shopping, shopper's buyer journey, we can incorporate data? So that's where the data intelligence come in. And essentially what's going to happen is the artificial intelligence technologies that's going to allow us to pick things from our past behaviors, uh, from generalization of mass purchases through all the different audience types. And all those things are going to be incorporated to the point that the next time in, in, you know, in, in 2017 and 
beyond if I start shopping. Uh, not only will I get recommendations for the product, but some of the mechanics of the buying process, like me uh, adding a particular item to my shopping cart yep. versus me selecting a specific color of socks to yep. go with my shoes, you know, things like that will be automatically taken care of. And, and I think one thing to note in this buyer journey is you have to remember this is going to be 2017. We're not talking about just the journey through your personal website or the company's website. This is beyond the website. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a con- interconnection of the offline and online journeys all together to give one seamless experience. And in 2017, this can also include customer service calls. So part of that buyer journey can be offline. It could be in-store. It could be online. It can also be a five-minute call with their customer service center to get details on a product. And all that can now be tracked. So all right. these things... Um, come together into the decision-making process through that data intelligence tool. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's what we say. Data-driven intelligence will automate buyer's journey. That's the number one. Yep. Number two, big data dependency will become the norm for marketers. And I love that. You know, it, it's it's about time that we finally say that dependency on big data is now the, the norm. It's not something new. It's not innovative. It's just a line item. It it's just there. I love that. It is, yeah, it is in particular because I think uh, marketers are also on the forefront in terms of the production of data. Like we, we have websites. We have, in some cases, we own the call center piece. In some cases, we own the CRM. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are lots of different elements: uh, mobile traffic, social media. All of this is producing significant amount of data. Uh, so, big data was a term that was new for everyone you know, five, six, seven years ago. And then marketing was one of the, I would not say the last one to adopt it. I think marketing was somewhere in the middle to start adopting the big data curve. And with the significant growth in technology, which we're going to talk about, uh, it just makes it normal for marketers to accept the fact that there is a significant amount of data in order to hone in this data and to drive actionable insights that will impact the revenue creation and order generation. Uh, we have to use these technologies and we have to make sense of the data. So I think 2017, data will be a normal thing for marketers. A big data analytics projects, predictive analytics projects will be a normal thing. It will not be something really cool and shiny object anymore. It will be real. Well, well looking at looking at graphics like for me, marketer and stuff, talking about the, the growing trend in, in budgets for marketers, you know, those budgets are going up. Yeah. Um, the spend is going up on everything. And, and you have to have that dependency um, on big data. You, you cannot, you can no longer make decisions based on gut feeling. Yes. It's just not there anymore. So if you're a gut feeling marketer out there, you got to start learning big data. You got to start learning analytics because if you're not, you're going to be left behind and it's going to be bad news for the job market. So Absolutely. Cool. Let's talk about number three. So, so number three is uh, – you know, marketing technology growth will be irrelevant as technology adoption increases. So this is pretty interesting one because we always talk about the growth in MarTech, you know, but, but what you're saying here is that it's going to be irrelevant as adoption increases. Yeah, and the point that we're trying to make here is we have all followed the MarTech technology curve, right? We yep. all know what Scott Brinker puts out at Chief MarTech yep. in 2011, there were close to yeah 150 
marketing technology that we can call it as marketing technology. In 2016, it has increased phenomenally to 4,000 technologies yes, available and yes. it's growing and it's going to explode in 2017. So I think now it's the time for us to not worry about the technology adoption because it will continue to increase. There is nothing special about it. That's that's what we're proposing here, that instead of focusing on the technology adoption curve and trying to figure out, oh, there are so many different technologies, think about marketers will start thinking about what's good for their business. Out of all these technologies, what makes sense? What should we adopt? What should we use? And not worry about the new shiny object anymore because that's going to continue to happen for years to come. Yes, I agree. I agree. So uh, any kind of uh, actions that people can take with regards to um, you know, know their view of MarTech and as they start to build out their stacks? My advice will be, again, some of the prediction that we're going to make in the later part of this uh, show. We're going to talk about some of that. But I think the advice is definitely to focus on your needs, your business needs, your revenue growth needs, your customer experience needs, and build on top of that. Uh, instead of doing the other way, like going after the new shiny objects, the focus should be on your customers, your revenue, your organization, and your growth. Uh, and then figure out what types of automations, optimizations that you need uh, to develop and take your organization to the next level. Great point, great point. So, okay, number four, speeding through this. Here we go. So, number four, marketers will increase use of machine learning to improve content relevancy. So, b- before we move on to that one, so let, let's talk about the term machine learning because I want to make sure that we're on the same um, the same uh, understanding of what we define machine learning versus somebody else. And that's a great point. Machine learning, uh, so content marketing you know, specifically has been one area for marketers. Uh, it's been an area of focus. We always say content is king. Now relevancy is going to become a king because – Everyone knows that importance of content for search engine optimization, for user experience, uh, for engaging the users. So instead of focusing on production of a lot of content, which I definitely think marketers should continue to do that, both quantity and quality, but now there is a new factor that's been introduced, which is relevance. And relevance is not easy. The mm-hmm. basic digital metrics will only tell you the time on site, Uh, the amount of time someone spent reading an article, the bounce rate, and all these other, uh, you know, basic understanding of the web analytics uh, component or mobile analytics component. What's happening today is with the help of machine learning technologies that can not only understand your basic metrics, but also take into consideration the textual components. You know, what are the specific things in this text, like text data mining? What are the specific words that stand out when somebody clicks and open the email? And why do they open the email? What was the special about the headline? Uh, And and I think what's important to that is really, so when you're going out there and you're procuring your marketing technology, you're building out your stack, don't, you know, don't be under the, the, um, you know, assumption that there's going to be one magical tool that's going to be able to do everything. There's a lot of great products out there, but it's really the ability to combine those products into a stack that really works for you and your needs. You know, uh, and so for me, uh, I guess this is my first announcement. So I actually uh, have left IBM and I'm now with a a data company called uh, Axiom. So pretty excited about that. And 
one of the opportunities we have within Axiom is being able to look at the the partner component, being able to take first party, second party, and third party data and bring those tools together within a stack to be able to you know increase the relevancy of that data because you're being able to find tools that can do different things. You know, some tools will be able to look at sentiments. Some will be able to do kind of uh, be able to read text, uh, you know, um, different languages. We're, we're talking combining big data and being able to create actionable insights. I mean, all these different things. And that's really a key, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back again to machine learning technologies, uh, the idea here is, so let's say if you are an example, is let's say if you're a, a news publishing website, uh, mm-hmm. You're going to produce a tons of uh, news articles for people to read. Yep. Uh, but then how, with all these hundreds and thousands of articles that's out there, how are you going to make sure the ones that are really relevant, really timely, and mm-hmm. then the ones that engages your visitor? The only way you can do uh, skim to all the data and make decisions will be if you process those data into Hadoop systems through, you know, machine learning yep. languages such as R and quickly yep. identify the top performing content based on that. So I think predictive content recommendation engines, predictive personalization, textual mm-hmm. data mining are all applicable. And that's what we're trying to say when we say marketers will increase use of machine learning to improve content relevancy. Yeah, and it's no longer just uh, looking at the basics of the title has great SEO terms in there and this is going to be the most relevant you know, article to look at or piece of content to look at. So that, that was about what, 2013, 2014. So, okay. So let's jump into number five. Um, cognitive technology will give leading marketers an edge over others. So, you know, you're mentioning, uh, when we were talking about this before. So chatbots, Salesforce's Einstein, which was recently released. I mean, I know you went to Dreamforce, so that's a, a fantastic experience. And also, you know, IBM's Watson and IBM's rebranding of everything Watson. So, you know. Yeah, I think cognitive technology is the next wave. Uh, and the way some of these companies are bringing this experience to our home, like, you know, Google's latest mm-hmm. technology venture when it comes to cognitive recognition is the home, Google Home, which is a yep. competitor of Amazon Echo. Uh, Facebook's chatbots. Chatbots yep. is a new wave of uh, uh, kind of artificial intelligent technology working across your shopping experience, across your social media experience. Yep. Where you put in a specific question and the chatbots provide you absolutely correct answer based on your question. So it's no more, you know, like the, I remember the old chatbots, like, how can I help you? And it catches a specific keyword from your text. Uh, and it tries to provide you an answer. What the modern uh, yeah. artificial intelligence chatbots are completely based on cognitive recognition technology, which is not only recognizes specific keywords, but it recognizes natural language pro- processing patterns. Yep, it it rec- recognizes your communication style and much more beyond. So Salesforce recently launched Einstein, which yep. is a sort of a chatbot embedded inside of their Salesforce CRM, CRM solution. Yep. That will help you provide the answers to common questions like, you know, which account is about to churn, you know, things like that. Where do I see the biggest growth? What's the geographic area for the biggest growth and things like that. And also helping salespeople take decision. And IBM Watson, we all know the famous Jeopardy, uh, the the IBM's invention that won the Jeopardy uh, twice in a row. And then it also became one of the most revenue productive area in the IBM division. 
Yeah, and, and even with Watson, you know, I, IBM really started, as we all know, um, with the Jeopardy and all that stuff, but they really made it big and, and really made a dent in society with their cancer research. So being able to take 10 years of cancer research and within three to six months to be able to come up with some great outputs, you know, using big data analysis. Yeah, that's phenomenal contribution yeah. to the society. Exactly. And, and now and, and the team that I was formerly at within Watson is really taking the whole idea around, you know, data and customer analytics and really putting, you know, uh, kind of a cognitive technology aspect to customer analytics, being able to, as you were talking about before with, you know, understanding, you know, uh, the mo- the optimal paths to conversion, you know, churn, um, being able to look at, you know, how to take, you know, simply a thousand different customers and identify the five to 10 different messages that you should spread across those thousand customers to get the highest, you know, conversion, different things. So it's an absolutely phenomenal type of technology. And I cannot wait to see what 2017 will do with cognitive. Perfect. Cool. Okay. So number six, so marketing data security and governance will be a key focus for CMOs. Uh, and I'm in a security company, so I can uh, speak more to this. Uh, mm-hmm. The trends in the cybersecurity area are just, again, this is one area that is kind of the cream of the crop in terms of technology. Uh, so some of the statistics that we have uh, from a website called cybersecurityventures.com, so they did, they did their analysis, and they predicted the cost of cybercrime to the business will be $6 trillion. annually by 2021. So if you see that type of phenomenal impact on your business by, uh, by cybersecurity issues, then in turn, you have to start improving your technological and your data protection uh, assets, right? So what you do is you invest more in cybersecurity technology, you invest more to protect your data, and CMO will be the one that will be at the forefront because as marketers are dealing with lots of different technology and very sensitive data in a lot of cases, CMOs are going to invest very heavily in marketing data security and governance in the next few years. And some of the projections that were made across the board when it comes to cybersecurity products and services to eclipse $1 trillion in cumulative investments over the next five years. So uh, as the industry is going to focus more and more on uh, cybersecurity, CMOs will continue to be on that on, on that bus and you know be one of the key driver of the investments of cybersecurity products and services. Yeah, there's nothing else to add to that. That's it's it's a pretty shocking number. I mean, six six trillion is not. <laughs> Not a little number. You know? Yeah, and, and if you see all the buzz that's going on around, you know, things that are being impacted by uh, cybercrime, including mm-hmm. our daily lives, it just becomes yeah. it, it, it just becomes very important for everyone to focus on it, and, and it's unavoidable. Yeah, I, I, I've turned into a total cynic when it comes to that. I've received some emails where people are like, we've used an internal and uh, international investigator to find your name. And we we found out that you have inherited a hundred thousand dollars or something <laughs> stupid like that. The old, and so, yeah, yeah. And so instead of actually just putting it into my junk mail as spam or something, I actually responded back and said, "Oh my god, that's fantastic! I've been looking for a great international private investigator. What is their cost? Can you give me their number? I really want to do." And I just started making stuff up and I wrote this really long, boring email. 
I never got a call back, so. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, number seven. This is a good one. This is for those marketing automation fanatics, you know, those Marketo, those Eloqua, you know, those Silver Pop users. So for this one, number seven is about this idea that predictive lead scoring will be merged with marketing automation behavioral scoring. Yeah, and like you said, I think this is definitely for the marketing automation fanatics. Uh, for years, uh, marketing automation's dependency is on one particular score, which is the yep. lead score, yep. right? And the way the lead scores are set up are to a large part. Now, there may be some cutting-edge organization that they have already embedded the predictive lead scoring model on their behavioral scoring. But for a large part, even today, marketing automation systems, all the triggers, all the campaigns, all the nurtures, all the emails are set up based on a behavioral scoring model. Essentially, yep. the actions the subscribers take, uh, depending on if they're attending and watching a video, going on a particular landing page, doing some actions, uh, and in some cases, the title. So it's very behavioral centric. The idea of merging a predictive lead scoring model with your uh, marketing automation behavioral model is to improving uh, the lead progression. So let's say if you have a lead that is sitting on a lower score for a long time and, mm -hmm. and the behavioral impact is only so much, you can take some of the predictive data uh, that can tell you uh, the, whether the company is good for your business, whether the person who's engaged has the right job title, whether yep. the person is doing something specific on the web sphere and looking for your products and services. So all of that data will be now incorporated in your scoring model. So it will improve your velocity of lead progression. Improve, it will improve the return on investment. It will improve the types of emails that you deliver these to these people because now you're doing everything under predictive mindset. Yeah, and, and a lot of times what what a marketer will do is you know sit and wait for the for that 55 points or something to come to fruition, you know, before they start uh, nurturing them or or they you know contact them through some type of band modeling to to designate them as an MQL or, or marketing qualified lead, and to be able to look at you know predictive scoring really, like I said, puts another view into this and allows marketers to really be able to to identify what can be and to be able to to act in advance and being instead of being reactive, allows them to be a little bit more proactive. And so I think this is a very big deal. Great. Yep. Cool. So number eight, CMO IT budgets will match if not exceed CIO and CTO budgets. This is a cool one. I like this. Yeah, and what are your thoughts on that? So I think for me, you know, the CMO IT budget, a lot of people thought that, you know, with typically with CMOs, why would a CMO have to be concerned with IT? You know, and as you look at the the, the growth in marketing stacks and the growth in, you know, in, in IT and, and data technologies to be able to run marketing teams, you know, their budgets will now have to double or almost triple to what they currently are to match what's happening on the CIO and CTO side. Because if you look at a lot of the technologies that are really running companies, so if you're a retail online-based firm or a shop, you know, most of your budget is really going towards technologies, you know, th that's going to help you, um, you know, drive conversion on that website. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, an IT-style budget, which is, you know, data and analytics, you know, being able to bring in cognitive technologies, you know, big data technologies 
to be able to identify really how you should grow and you know how you should uh, increase conversion for your customers. So I, I, I think it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I also think that what's happening, and earlier you pointed out, because there is a significant growth in technology, it's not just that the growth in technology, so CMO is saying like, hey, I want to go invest in some more technology. What is happening is because there is a significant need inside of the organization to mm-hmm. make use of this technology and at the same time maintain and manage the technology and the data around it, which creates requirements for resources, which creates requirements for additional budgets, team mm-hmm. members. So all of that is taken into consideration. And that is one of the reasons why uh, CMO IT investment will increase uh, phenomenally and at the same time either will match in some of the CIO or CTO budget in some cases or in some cases it will also exceed. And this also goes in this idea that we talked about how, you know, there's a new style of marketer out there. You know, it's not just the, you know, the plain Jane print marketer or the digital marketer. It's the IT data centric marketer that's really joining marketing departments and making them more powerful than what they are now. Absolutely. And, and really, that budget really feeds into that. Cool. So let's go to number nine. So let's see. Data and technology will, uh, with uh, increase, will increase the alignment between sales and marketing. So let me rephrase that. Data and technology will increase the alignment between sales and marketing. And th- this is almost something to where you either in a company to where sales and marketing get along or you're in a company where sales and marketing actually hates each other. <laughs> You know what I mean? But but I truly think that the combining factor, it's not just a trust factor, but I think the data and the technology, the shared data and the technology between sales and marketing teams, that is the peacekeeping unifier. And absolutely. And I can, you know, personally relate to this example in many different organizations that I worked in. I'm pretty sure you, you as well. Yep. Uh, technology is bringing sales and marketing together. Uh Think about it, CRM solutions. Originally, when there was no existence of CRM solutions such as Salesforce, sales operated in their own ways on how did they manage the particular lead and marketing did their own thing and it may or may not reflect the production of lead but it may be essentially be focused only on branding of the component. And mm-hmm. then marketing started using tools and technology to drive leads and sales had this new awesome CRM solution where they can capture the leads and process the leads, convert to opportunity, and, and you know bring convert it to a final deal or close one deal. CRM is bringing these people together, so marketing can continue to work on the lead object. Salesforce can focus on the opportunity and account object. Another layer to that, marketing automation. Marketing automation has brought these two different divisions even closer. So not only marketing can produce leads, but marketing can also impact the lead nurture or the opportunity nurture process by sending alerts to the salespeople, by reminding them of particular leads if it's sitting there too long being untouched, by sending a specific very targeted campaigns into these leads and opportunity uh, in the sales cycle. Uh, so, and then on top of that, like everything is today is happening is end to end. If you don't have a connection, a strong bond between sales and marketing and organization, then you're going to have problems because you need to make sure that, especially in B2B organization, you need to make sure that you're driving the types of leads, um, mm-hmm. like you pointed out, it converts to an MQL and converts to a sales lead faster 
and in a better quality lead so then the end revenue production increases and that's where you need a, a liaison between your sales teams to make sure that the yes. goals that they create for every year specifically for 2017s are connected to the goals that you have for marketing and and as a disclaimer what we're also trying to say is you know data and technology ha- having somebody who's very good in in analyzing data and technology um being able to send them marketer over to the sales side and be able to talk to them about results, that's not going to be your only key to success with driving that relationship with sales. It's also going to be able to understanding their processes, being able to speak their language and being able to kind of sympathize with their monthly and weekly struggles to hit their goals and hit their targets. So there's a lot of different factors, but the unifying factor behind all this, the one thing that cannot be disputed that everybody can agree on is the data. And so that that's a key thing to focus on there. Great. Cool. Okay, let's jump down to number 10. Almost halfway through, right? Yeah. Um, first, yeah, we got to quickly go through these. We don't want to be on here for like two hours, right? <laughs> no, this is great. I think this is very yeah. important. Like cool. I said in the beginning, I think we have come up with a very strong list of predictions for 2017. Uh, so this most of this stuff is very relevant in media. So yep. you know, I don't mind going a little bit over. Cool. Okay, so here's here's one that I don't have yet, and I'm being a technology-first adopter. I'd love to have it. I'm sure my wife would be mad at me for just buying new stuff. But prediction number 10, marketing channel erupted with new media technologies such as VR, Amazon Echo, and Google Home. So do you, do you have an Echo in your house or Google I Home? I just bought a Google Home today. Uh, awesome. <laughs> it was on sale, so I took the advantage awesome. of it. And I would definitely encourage you to do that because I did some research, uh, you know, without okay. getting too much detail. Okay. Uh, I think Google Home's voice recognition and the cognitive recognition system is much superior to Amazon Echo. Uh, great. So having said that, marketing channels have been increasing every year. You know, every year you have something new. When we uh, started doing marketing, social media was not non-existent and mobile was non-existent. Then now we added social media to the mix. We added mobile to the mix. We now have uh, so many different social media channels, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the video streaming technologies uh, that are out there. Then we have more channels coming to the pipeline. Now, this in 2016, there has been a big disruption with technology such as Amazon Echo and Google Home and some of the virtual reality components. So what that has done is, it has added to the mix. So this disruption of marketing channel will continue through 2017 and beyond. There will be more such technology that will come and interfere with your traditional SEO and SEM type of marketing. Uh, it may have a significant impact on some of the marketing, uh, B2C marketing effort. It may not have as significant into B2B marketing effort, but slowly that will change as well. Very cool. So you know what? I think I'm going to have to go buy one now. <laughs> 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 I was, I'm sure you, while I was talking, we're doing the research. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Let, let, let's not get me in trouble on Great. this podcast. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Number 11. Okay. Here's a good one. So cost per click will increase as ad blocking and competition increases. And I know, you know, we ta- we had an entire uh, podcast about ad blocking mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. So I, I think this is a big one. And I know you have some stats that you wanted to talk about. There's some uh, report that you're able to pull. But so let's talk about this one. Cost per click will increase 
as ad blocking and competition increases. So since when I personally have been following the cost per click, it has been increasing at least 15% per year. Uh, so it's been growing pretty significantly. The keywords, and I'm talking specifically Google's keywords for for their uh, paid pay-per-click, where it used to cost uh, $2 are now costing like $40, $50. So that has happened because of numerous reasons. Like one, there is a significant increase in demand. You know, demand increases and the prices starts to go up uh, if there is a shortage uh, because there is competition and everybody wants to bid on the same keyword. So that kind of gives Google the advantage and you can monitor Google's revenue. They continue to grow significantly each year. Yep. On top of that, as we were talking about the technological component, so technology is not just to help marketers uh, provide a better experience to their end user. It is also to help the consumers so they get the better experience when they visit a website. And what yes. that entails is if there's a technological technology uh, add-on to your browser or your mobile device that will prevent showing ads, then that's what we're talking about when we say ad blocking. And globally, the ad blocking momentum has grown by 41% in the last 12 months. In, in U.S. itself, which U.S. is typically not the first and the foremost. Traditionally, Europe is the one that is leading in terms of ad blocking technology. But U.S. has been, uh, again, U.S. has joined the bus and they're like, now it's 48% increase and 45 millions users in the 12 months uh, leading up to 2016. So that trend will continue. And what's going to happen is because of that, you're going to have incremental competition. And you're going to have a shortage of space that you can share because all these ads are being blocked and that will lead to increase in the cost per click for your advertising dollars. Good point. Cool. So let's go to number 12. Um, this is, this is a pretty interesting one because you know, the idea around, you know, cloud, the adoption of cloud has really been growing over the years and it's not really something new to people. Right. But what you're saying here is that the cloud adoption will uh, reduce the gaps between ad tech and MarTech. So, Let's talk about that one. So are you talking about ad tech and MarTech moving from an on-prem environment to a cloud environment? Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, what do ad tech and MarTech means, right? So ad mm -hmm. tech is advertising technologies. As we were talking about earlier, the technologies such as uh, like your media math, media math Axiom, Ad Server, LiveRAM, no. Rocket Fuel, like all of those that allows you to do programmatic ad buys. Basically, you know, they, they look at a bunch of data and they collect the data from different sources. They mash the data and they intelligently recommend ads to the end users uh, based on all the, all the data uh, in machine learning. So that's your advertisement technology. And the other component is marketing technology, which is your marketing automation solutions, your uh, analytic solutions, your social media solutions. So for years, these two types of technological category have been working in silos. Uh, yep. You know, you typically take your Salesforce data maybe in a CSV file, and then you dump that into something such as MediaMath uh, for programmatic ad buys. Yep. But with the cloud adoption, like uh, as you were pointing out earlier, because these technologies are moving into cloud, it's no longer uh, your on-prem versus your uh, in the cloud world. It's all cloud or it's yeah. hybrid. So what's going to happen is because of that, the integration between these technology will become much easier yep. uh, as companies continue to move towards the cloud adoption. Uh, the integration improves, 
the data components improve, and, and then the scalability. And our, yeah, and Martech and AdTech eventually, I would say, you know, this is probably a prediction for 2018, they will become one solution. So there's not going to be any difference yeah. between Martech and AdTech. And this is something that, you know, for me moving over to Axiom, this is really a special specialization around kind of what Axiom does is, is really working with companies to build out that type of, you know, cloud-based uh, data lake where you're able to have, you know, your, your entire data infrastructure connecting all of your ad tech and martech tools so that you're able to, you know, consume all that data in a single space within a cloud space that can scale. And you can run inf- you know, infinite um, reports and, and functionalities off of that data, you know, rather than spending six months to eight months just building out an on-prem environment that can only scale to so much. Great. Which is also extremely expensive. Okay, so let's move on to number 13. So the app economy. This is something pretty interesting. So marketers without a mobile app strategy will be left behind. And, you know, I think what's interesting about that is this finally has come to fruition and it's maybe taking, you know, three so years to really come to fruition, but really saying if you don't have a mobile app strategy, you're really going to be left behind because mobile get in launched, I believe. Actually, you know what? Mobile get in did launch in 2015. It was Q1 of 2015. So let's say about, you know, two years after that, this is the time when if you're a marketer, you do not have a solid mobile app strategy, you're, you're truly going to be left behind. And absolutely. And I think, you know, there were predictions made a few years ago that 2015 or 2016 will be the year where mobile usage will exceed desktop usage uh, in terms of uh, the traffic and everything. And that's already happened. And nobody's really talking about it because we already know that was going to happen and it happened. So now what? Now I think the focus (laughs) has been uh, on mobile app. Uh, I think it has become absolutely crucial for companies not only to have uh, some type of mobile presence, but have an app strategy for your business that's going to mm-hmm. help you scale your business to the next level. And it could and, be many and, different ways. And so one of the things to note is we're not saying, and this is Samir and Jeremy not saying, if you don't have a mobile app, you're going to fail. Part of that strategy may also be in doing some competitive analysis and research and identifying that a mobile app is not the way for you to go. Well, you know? it, yeah, and also it also depends. But I think we are definitely saying that you need to start prepping and thinking on your yes. mobile app uh, focus for 2017 and beyond. Because yes. you still have time. Uh, you do. You still have time, uh, although you know that some people might challenge that given the uh, amount of growth, the volume of growth we're seeing across the board in terms of the app production. Like every day there is a cool new app that you can yeah. use. Uh, but I do think that businesses who can start adopting to mobile apps and uh, mobile first strategy, they will have, uh, they will be able to capture or recapture the share of market that has been taken away with some of the yeah. apps that are in the market. And I agree. I think a mobile first strategy is that first thing, you know, mobile, there may be some companies that don't need an app itself, but having a mobile strategy is definitely number one. Okay, so number 14, um, marketing will increase reliance on data viz technologies. And, and me personally, I'm not as familiar with data viz technology. So, Samir, if you give us a little bit of explanation of what data viz is. So data viz is technology such as uh, Tableau, uh, technology okay. such as ClickView that allows you to visualize your data. Okay. Uh, even R has a lot of uh, data visualization components. Uh, so essentially, 
Marketing is one area that has been heavily focused on the data side of things, but they're not, at least to the date, you know, to the people that I talk to and to my experience in looking in the web sphere, marketers are not so much visualization centric. I think the BI teams, the IT teams have been in the front runner in terms of taking data and creating, you know, creating a massive visualization and that can tell you insights pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, marketers are also now joining the force. They're starting to use technologies such as Tableau or Click or any other data visualization technologies. Uh, and they're trying to make sense of the data. Uh, because as the data increases, it's extremely important to quickly understand actionable insights from the data. And if you don't have uh, a very well thought through data visualization strategy or resources, it's going to be really hard for you to go through mounds and mounds of data on your Excel spreadsheet or your you know typical marketing uh, automation solution. So what we're predicting here is by 2017, more marketers will rely on data visualization technologies to make sense of the data, to take actionable insights of the data. Because the modern day data visualization technologies are not just for visual coolness factor. They have a lot, lots of association to it in terms of deriving results. Uh, pro providing predictive insights, uh, taking actionable recommendations, identifying the key outliers. So there are so many things you can do with these advanced data visualization technologies, and marketings are, marketers are going to join the force. Nice. Very cool. So this is another one that, I, uh, that really goes into uh, you know my experience with, that I had with IBM is number 15 is, so cross-device optimization will become mandatory. And I love the use of this term, mandatory. So if the audience could respond here, give me an example of a journey from a customer of where they did, they only used a single device to really go through their entire process of first, you know, coming up with the idea that they want a product, doing the research, doing the price comparison, shopping, walking the store, coming back, looking at competitive products and so on. And then, going into the site three or four times and, and then looking back again at competitive pricing and then coming back to buy it again. There is no way that a customer now looks at a single device. And I think it's important that people understand that the optimization between those devices, as somebody goes from one device to another, that needs to be buttoned up. It needs to be almost perfect. And that's essential for companies to focus on. And this also goes back to our earlier prediction, which is uh, the growth in the marketing channels. Uh, as mm -hmm. we continue to add more and more marketing channels to the mix, it becomes very natural to someone to use those channels. So if yes. I am shopping now and if I get a Google Home, then I would rather use my voice to search on Google to find the best product in addition to what I'm going to do on my phone and in addition to what I'm going to do on my desktop or personally going to the store. So again, you're adding more mix to the market. You're adding more marketing channels to the mix. And what's going to happen is your cross device optimization strategy. If you're only focused on one particular device or one particular avenue or channel, then you're going to be missing out all the work or all the efforts that I put into my search with Google home. Yep. And I think that's comes back to number 12 about the cloud adoption. We reduce the gaps between ad tech and MarTech. Um, we're talking about the cost per click that adds to that. Um, the marketing channels will be disrupted by Google home. Number 10. Yeah. This is so interrelated. All of these. It, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic. 
I love it. <laughs> I love nerding out. This is great. Okay. So number 16, we're almost there. Traditional marketing leadership will be replaced by data and technology leaders. This is a big one. So we're not saying, hey, you're going to lose your job, but it's all about changing the way that you think and the changing the way that you approach a problem. So let's first define what is a traditional marketing leader versus a data and technology leader. So let's talk about maybe the way they think or the way they approach problems, right? Absolutely. And I think the traditional marketing leaders, again, we're not saying that, uh, you know, some people are right or wrong. It is just our personal opinion about what we think our traditional marketing leaders are. So traditional marketing leaders are the leaders that are focused absolutely on the branding side of marketing. Yes. And that too, in the early days of branding, they're still relying on billboards. Although in some cases, billboard work, they're still relying on uh, uh, mailers, like print mailers. They're yep. still relying on all these types of components that have worked in the past uh, and in the assumption that it will continue to work in future as well. Uh, and also, they're not focusing on their data strategy. They're not building the marketing technology division. They're not focusing on marketing analytics division. So let me use a term here. They're being data reactive versus data proactive, correct? Uh, not even reactive. You know, it'll be great if they are, if they become reactive and takes do something based mm-hmm. on the data. I think they're not, they're not even worried about what's happening in the data world. And there are still people out there. There's still organizations out there that are very, uh, traditionally centric. Um, you know, they think that their business is okay because maybe their dependency on, is on natural resources. Uh, and they don't have to worry about the data. So I think that's what we're saying. So traditional marketing leadership, uh, we yep. think, will be replaced by the new generation of marketing leaders who will be very data-centric, who will be very technology-centric, who will know how to make decisions based off of data, who will know how to make the technology work, who will know how to work with your IT teams, and who are very thoughtful on where to go invest their marketing budgets. Awesome. Great answer. Cool. Almost there. Number 17. So new patents will be uh, filed to improve marketing technology integration. So I I think we've alluded to this over the past year, talking about the integration of technologies. And we even talked about this in number 12, you know, even referring to the whole cloud adoption that's going to reduce the gaps. But we made the prediction that in 2018, ad tech and martech could become a unified technology. Not sure what the naming will be, but, you know, I think as we talk about in number 17, new patents will be filed to improve marketing technology, absolutely key to the success of any organization. Yeah, and I think where this comes to uh, fruition is if you follow the patents that are being filed with some of the the patent giants like Google, IBMs, and uh, Amazons, uh, and Salesforce of the world, and Apple, uh, what's happening is there is always something new going on. So as these companies heavily invest in marketing technology, wh- what will happen is they'll there will be a, there's going to be a need for new patterns or new protocols or new governance that will help bridging the gaps between these technologies. So for example, if someone comes with a marketing cloud, they want to make sure that marketing cloud works with the sales cloud seamlessly. Uh, and today it does not, you know, no matter what we see in the advertisement, uh, there's still a lot of gaps between different marketing and sales technological components. So what we're saying is in 2017, there will be new types of protocols and new types of uh, 
things that will put in place that will allow us to bridge these gaps and integrate these technologies more tightly. And I, th- and I have a feeling that a lot of this is going to be cloud-based. And uh, it's a lot of it I'm hoping is going to be more um, API-based with a click-and-connect click technology. That's my, that's my theory on that. Cool. Great. So number 18. So here's, I think uh, you have some more stats to talk about here, Samir. But So marketing technology giants will bet on IoT, so the Internet of Things, for the next wave of revenue. So first let's define and make sure we're on the same page. What is IoT? So Internet of Things is connectivity between different devices, uh, ah, essentially. Simply okay. put, right? So let's Like say, number 15. <laughs> right. And uh, so, you know, you have your, again, we go back, keep going back to the same example, Amazon Echo, uh, yep. Google Home, and all these technologies that you're incorporating in your house, your Microsoft Xbox gaming system, uh, things that you put in your car, uh, you know, like any kind of technology that's there, then your mo- your typical devices, such as your mobile, uh, your devices in your home that regulate your room temperatures, all of that is connected to one thing. And that's what, that's what the term Internet of Things is being called as because all of these devices are connected. They're live, they're talking to each other, and they're sharing information. So according to some of the research, uh, especially done by GE, the IoT market will contribute 10 to 15 trillion to the global GDP in the next 20 years. So with this growth, it makes a lot more sense for marketing technology giants such as Google, IBM, Salesforce to bet on these IoT technologies and develop the marketing components connected to these technologies. So Amazon did this, right? So there is a Amazon uh, with with the Amazon Echo. Yep. Their basic fundamental with the Echo is, is basically a shopping cart. It's a digital voice-recognized shopping cart where you can buy products using your voice. That's That was a whole uh, idea behind it. And more more components of these will come in future. IBM is going to come up with something. Google is already coming up with their home. So that's what we're saying is dependency on IoT technology for marketing will increase. Cool. Very cool. So let's jump over to number 19. I think this one is very similar to... Uh, number 16 that we talked about, about, you know, leadership, traditional marketing leadership will be replaced with technology leaders. Um, we also talked about, um, you know, this in number eight, that the CMO IT budgets and how it's really moving, the CMO is moving to a more IT-centric, you know, role. And, and so number 19 is CMOs will recruit or partner with data officers. So we're we talking about like a chief data officer or really just kind of like a, a BI team. We're talking about data office, chief data officer, uh, to okay. be exact. Yeah. So in in organizations where there is definitely the, where CEOs will hire chief data officers, CMO will increase their dependency on these chief data officers for you know reliance on data, data strategy, data governance, data security, uh, compliance, and all all of the above. Uh, or in cases where the organizations do not have the luxury to hire chief data officers. CMO will recruit themselves some sort of data officer role in the organization uh, that will allow them to take care of the marketing side of data. And that could be, you know, marketing, uh, marketing operational uh, data officer of some sort or marketing analytics data officer. So it all depends on how that will come. But I think there will be a role that will be responsible for the marketing data side of things. Very cool. Okay, we're almost there. Number 20. So geographic digital transformation will outpace 
vertical transformation in terms of revenue growth. So that's a pretty interesting one there. So, you know, ideally when we start out or we look at this first part of this uh, prediction, you know, geographic digital transformation and the other side of that vertical transformation. So how do you, and I'm curious about this one. So how do you think geographic digital transformation will outpace vertical transformation? And it's already doing that uh, because if you look at the world's population, the majority of the world's population today is in Asia. Yep. Right? Uh, between China and subcontinent and India and all those countries. So what's happening is those countries are now adopting digital transformation. Their banking system is becoming digital. Yep. Uh, even the rural areas, they have ATM set up. Telecommunication is taking – telecommunication storm is taking place. So the next – wave that's going to continue to happen is these countries like South Korea, Singapore, India, Netherlands, Switzerland, Switzerland, they're all experiencing a huge adoption of digital technology and transformation for basic needs of life that U.S. and other uh, first world countries have already gone through. And, and let me and let me make sure to make this clear. This has nothing to do with trade. And this has nothing to do with what potentially could happen with future trade agreements based on you know, the, the results of the presidential campaign and president-elect and all that stuff. So what we're talking about is are these individual countries being able to produce technologies themselves and be able to have digital transformation themselves, either within an isolated environment or between each other, but it's not purely focused on the U.S.'s trade in technology with these countries. So Thanks for the sure. clarification. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what we're saying. This is all independent growth. You know, there's, you know, we live in a global economy, so there's always going to be overlap, but this is all about independent digital transformation. Like recently, India went through a demonetization where they, uh, they completely gave away the rupee 500 and rupee 1000 note, uh, and then everybody has to come and deposit their old rupees into the bank and get their currency or get the digital version of it. So, Big things are happening around the world. And mm -hmm. what we're saying is we were talking about technology, data improvement, cloud, and all these things in a vertical-centric way. Like, okay, you know, let's just focus on U.S. and this is what's going to happen in this particular technology. This is what's going to change in this particular data set. But what's going to happen globally, which is kind of the horizontal growth, is going to exceed this vertical growth. 100% agree. This is This is big stuff. Okay, last one. Da, 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 right? The drums, right? Number 21. So B2B digital subscription models will start to replace traditional lead gen models. So I think for every viewer, or I'm sorry, every listener, you know, we all understand the, the concept of a traditional lead gen model, right? Funnel, MQL, SQL. Describe here first, what is a B2B digital subscription model? That may be new to some people. B2B digital subscription model is very similar to what people experience today in the B2C world in terms of a digital shopping cart, right? In the, in the B2C world, you go to a website, you select the products, add to your digital shopping cart, and then you check out and you pay online, you know, Walmart or Best Buy or any of the top shopping carts in the world. Yep. What we're proposing here is that transformation it, it to some degree it has touched the digital world but to a lot of cases it's not especially if you're a b2b service provider and you're yep. selling a product that is uh, extremely expensive like you know it starts a thousand dollar maybe you're selling uh, some type of uh, 
a hosting package that is mm-hmm. only suitable for large businesses or maybe you're selling some type of security package. Or so let's say, let's say two servers and a firewall plus a load balancer. Right. And so that is something uh, some companies have went to, have already gone through a digital transformation where they have enabled the online purchase of such technologies. But for the large part, it is very dependent on lead generation, lead nurturing, uh, sales appointment setting, yep. uh, you know, opportunity creation and whatnot. What we are proposing here is more companies will incorporate digital subscription model even though they have a higher value purchase item. Uh, and that will start to slowly replace the traditional lead generation model. And that's pretty interesting. And I think a lot of it has to do with the consumer, even in a B2B experience, you know, there's usually what three or four different consumers, you know, in that you have the business technology or the business decision maker, the financial decision maker and the user at minimum. Right. But I think a lot of that research and a lot of, you know, the, you know, the behind the scenes happens a lot before they even hit your funnel. Mm -hmm. And you may not even know that they're doing this research. You may not even know that they have this interest or they're going down the path to purchase all its time, even before they even hit your funnel, even that you know that they have an interest or a level of interest. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think when it comes down to it, it's less of, hey, put me into the funnel and start to nurture me and get me excited about this product so I'll buy something. No, they, they're really pushing more to the subscription model because they say, I've done 70% of the research myself without your help. Now I want to learn from you. How can you bridge that gap? Great. It's cool. So this is it. Took some time, uh, but this was 21 marketing and analytics predictions for 2017 by Samir Khan and Jeremy Roberts um, from Analytics Today. And we this is fantastic stuff. And we look forward to, you know, having further in deeper discussions about these topics as we go into 2017. As always, feel free to reach out to us, you know, via email, via our website, come to us with topics. We love the feedback that you guys are getting for us. You can find us um, SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. Feel free to rate us, give us a review, whatever. And, um, This has been fantastic, and I think it's been a great 2016. It's been a phenomenal 2016, and I really appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, Thank you for participating. Uh, Again, we appreciate your feedback, your reviews, uh, and we're going to come up with more new, uh, brighter, and fantastic topics in 2017. Uh, You guys have a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your holidays. Yes, and I'll see you guys in the year. Thanks, Samir. See ya. Thank you.